Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show, Jeremy and Gretchen. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. So we've got some interesting things coming up this week. We're going to be talking to a group of people that have published their own comic book. Yay! And this is all kind of cool. They're showing it off at a number of different Comic-Cons, including one in Hawaii, which I'm thinking about, of course, only for business purposes going to to check it out. I mean, you know, take one for the team and all of that, right? Uh, oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's in Maui or something. So it oh, does. no. What a horrible thing. <laughs> But uh, you know we've we've all got to take our take our our things here with all of this. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, it seems like a really neat group of people, and they've put a lot of time and effort into this. And I can only imagine what it would actually take because you've got everything from actually writing the story to the artwork to publishing the book itself to all of like your legal stuff and business and websites and, then there's and everything the marketing. else. Marketing, oh my marketing, goodness. yeah. I mean, Ugh. it's just. Uh, uh, interesting, but it sounds like a really cool story too. So I think uh, at the end of the day, it could be a lot of fun, and I hope they're successful. We're going to talk to them and see what's involved and all of that, and then we're also going to be talking smart home trends. We're getting into the holiday season. If you haven't started your shopping, you probably should. This year is a little easier to get stuff than last year, but still, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to find. And the other thing is, is that, and this is the curiosity of it all, it seems like what people want this year has seriously changed and we're going to talk about this in some more depth but uh everybody's not looking for the latest video game system which has kind of been the key of the last few years Hmm. they're not looking for a lot of the different products that were key of the last few years and what we are starting to see is a lot more hands-on things uh experimental kits stuff like that for the kids Oh, I thought you were going to say everybody wanted socks. Uh, No, (laughs) I don't think we're quite there yet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you never know. All right. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter is how you send us your questions and your comments. Let us know what you want to hear about. Userfriendlyshow.com is our website. And with that, what is in the news this week? Computer chip made using mushroom skin could be easily recycled. So this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, the whole idea of being able to use a mushroom skin to make a computer chip is kind of different. Yeah. But what this really focuses on is the idea of recycling. Now, we've talked about this in the past. Is They're saying that the recycling of plastic in the United States is kind of a failed thing, and that only about 5% of our plastic is actually recycled. So even if you put it in your recycle bin, it's 95% chance going to end up in the landfill, at least according to those statistics. And this is no difference for our electronics. Most computer chips are made out of metal and plastic and all these things that can't really be recycled or are very difficult to do. And it makes it so they're often thrown away at the end of the chip's life. And this contributes to the 50 million tons of electronic waste that is produced each year, which is, that's a lot, you know? So Mm -hmm. they're looking at using different materials, and this is legitimately a mushroom skin that is able to do the same things as the plastic is, but it's a lot easier to recycle. For one thing, it's, you know, biological as opposed to oil. And that kind of a thing could make this all become something that's a lot less harsh on the environment. 
And, you know, we try to recycle our electronics. And a lot of times when something we're done with it, it can be used somewhere else. So there's trade-in programs and all that kind of stuff. But still, at the end of the day, you run out of, of stuff that you can do with it. And it's going to end up either having to be recycled or more likely than not end up in the landfill. So hopefully this will change that a little bit. Hmm. Russian software disguised as American software finds its way into the U.S. Army CDC apps. Yeah, so this is coming from a company called Push Whoosh, I believe is how you say that. <laughs> oh, and they had indicated that they were based in the U.S. Capitol. However, you dig into them a little further, they also seem to at some points be based in California, Maryland, and some other places. And <laughs> this is a company that's definitely Russian, and they produce software that is used as internal components in various different things, including smartphone apps and so on. And hmm. as such, these pieces of software have been built into other things that have been used by the military and the Center for Disease Control. Now, looking at their website, they say that they do not collect sensitive information. And uh -huh. uh, investigation from Reuters found no evidence that they mishandled user data. The problem is being located in Russia, especially right now, the, Russians have the Russian government has compelled local companies to hand over user data to domestic security agencies. <laughs> so even if the company's completely on the up and up, which if they're saying they're U.S.-based and they're not, makes me question that. But even if they were, the information they have still could be seized by the Russian government, and that could contain private information on U.S. citizens, and especially something that's being used within the confines of the military or a government agency like that. And this is where it becomes important and very difficult. I know as a software programmer myself, you use resources from a variety of different sources. You might write your own code, but you're pulling in data a lot of the times that comes from other locations, sharing things, making networks work, all that kind of stuff, plus using pre-built framework within your applications. So these kind of things definitely could happen and is definitely something right now with the state of the world that we need to be very careful about. Agreed. It's official. Open source software has never been more important. I'm just not <laughs> sure about the headline that this is official now. I think this has yeah. been official for a very long time. <laughs> it's been official for a long time. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So for anybody that may not be familiar with the term, uh, open source and closed source software are the two methods of which software is released. Open source, referring to the idea that usually the source code is available and you can get the given software and then be able to modify it to your needs, see how it works and that type of a thing. Closed source software is a lot of commercial apps where it's a proprietary setup. And then you can even get further along on closed source platforms where you can't do anything outside of what the manufacturer has determined is okay to do. This is one of the reasons why I've never been a huge Apple user because their products most of the time were based on that kind of an idea. Whereas back in the day, PC, which this has changed a lot, unfortunately, but uh, used to be primarily open source. Now, Linux, which is one of the key operating systems that runs the internet, is open source and is one of the most widely used. Same thing with database engines and all kinds of other things. So there's a lot of, you know, support for the idea of this. But I think now a lot more people are catching on saying, hey, you know, this is a good idea. And and this seems to be where we're headed and what we're doing. This actually goes into a lot more depth than what we can cover here. But at the end of the day, I get it and I have to agree with it, but I have for many, many years. 
Apple plans a 3D world and video service for its mixed reality headset. Yeah, and I've heard rumors that this is actually being pushed back to 2026 now. Hmm. So they're planning a, a mixed reality headset. You know, Meta's got their virtual reality headset, the Oculus Quest, which I kind of like. Yeah. But the Metaverse thing is not taking off like they thought it would. So it's interesting to see where some of these other companies are going with this. And the idea that you get these systems, but you're actually getting into a virtual world. I use mine primarily to play games and then to run some business stuff that I'm involved in. But I don't know. The metaverse has just never been something that I've really been that terribly interested in. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can change it. There's a lot going on and there's a lot checking out, but there's also a lot of security problems and not a lot of rules. So you have to get kind of Hmm. used to the idea that you're almost in this modern technical crypto wild west kind of environment. (laughs) So that'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Amazon is the first company ever to lose $1 trillion in value. Yeah, we're getting into kind of a tech winner with companies. We're seeing a lot of layoffs and different things. Although at the end of the day, I think if you can lose a trillion dollars in value and still be in business, that says something about your your company as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Bezos just gave away a whole bunch of money to Dolly Parton to give to charity. So yeah, yeah. so they're, they're I don't think okay. they're hurting for it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably not. Okay, this one scares me. At least one billion dollars of client funds missing at failed crypto firm FTX. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. So yeah, you know, we're still kind of in this crypto winter thing. Bitcoin right now, I believe, is at about sixteen thousand. It was at sixty a year ago, so that gives you an idea. And mm, yep. what's happened here is FTX, which is a uh, crypto. A currency company has filed bankrupt and they seem to have lost $1 billion in their clients' funds. So they're moving what they have left to cold storage, even though these amounts are unaccounted for. And the problem with this type of a thing is when your crypto company has these problems and you have your cryptocurrency through them, you can lose access to it. And there's not a lot of regulation. It's not like a bank that goes out of business where you're FDIC insured. So the money, you know, you're going to be able to get it back through some other means. That isn't quite the case here. It's just a situation where it can dry up your assets and you might not have a lot of recourse to be able to get them back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Got a great show coming up. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Gretchen, we have a whole bunch of people joining us today. I noticed that. That's great. So let's go down the list. Everybody, let's just have you guys introduce yourselves, and if you talk over each other, we'll figure it out. Avi, why don't we start with you? Oh, yes. Sure thing, Bill. So my name is Javier. I'm 25 years old. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I've been writing comic books uh, for almost a year now. That is too cool. Jordan, tell us about yourself. Hey, guys. My name is Jordan Salazar. I'm Javier's younger brother. I live in Vegas as well, and I've been writing comic books for the same time that he is. Too cool. And Chase? Yes, uh, I'm Chase. I'm 25 years of age as well. Um, I'm Javier's best friend. We've known each other since uh, seventh grade. Um, and yeah, we've all just been going on this comic book journey. All right, so Javi, I'm going to direct this question to you to start with, and then anybody jump in that would like to contribute. 
Tell us about your comic book and how you got started and what it's about. Yeah, sure thing. So the Wombat is actually our first ever superhero in the Allen's Comics universe. Uh, so the Wombat number one is our exciting debut of this action-packed six-part series, and it follows the main character, Miguel, on his challenging journey to embrace his powers and become the mighty protector known as the Wombat. This is a classic superhero origin story full of action, drama, enticing storytelling, and the story explores challenging situations and deep personal issues. So the story synopsis is that as young Latino Miguel Mota struggles to overcome his fortune and explore his newfound powers, new evil lurks in the shadows of Pacific City. Ruthless supervillains terrorize the city on a relentless hunt to capture a mysterious wombat by any means necessary. So there's far more left to uncover in this savage hunt as there's a cold and calculated bloodthirsty figure operating from behind the shadows on a quest for vengeance. Uh, my brother, Jordan, he can actually tell you a little bit more about who the Wombat is and a little bit more about our, our main uh, character. All right, yeah. Jordan, take it away. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, uh, as you said, we follow Miguel Moda, right, better known as the Wombat. He was actually a former high-flying luchador turned crime fighter in Pacific City. Uh, he's a troubled Latino who is overcoming some personal guilt, anger issues, you know, in light of recent injustices and difficult circumstances. Um, some of his powers include super strength, incredible speed and agility, and he has powerful striking wombat claws. Um, we want him to serve as a beacon of hope and nobility, no determination, perseverance, and hope, and... Yeah, he's just uh, kind of like a hopeful figure to look up to, you know? All right, so Chase, I'm going to throw this one out at you, and if it's not for you, just throw it to whoever. What did it take to get published? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we actually spent quite a bit of time um, writing the story in the first place. Uh, it actually was an eighth-month-long process. Um, Javier himself, he could go more into it. He had to contact some Brazilian artists, um, so, so we had to look and see what kind of artists really stuck out to us and which ones really resembled, um, the character, the, the wombat that we wanted to, you know, display. Um, but yeah, Javier, you want to go more into the, the publication? Yeah. So we actually are self-publishing. So we're, we're, uh, creating everything from scratch aside from the artwork. So we're writing everything, producing everything. Uh, distributing everything. So we're actually being sold in several comic book stores across Vegas, LA, and here on the islands of Hawaii. So uh, yeah, we're, we're making everything. So we're, we're uh, printing the books, publishing it on our website, uh, releasing it on our website, every, everything, everything we're doing in-house. So it seems like there would be a, really a lot of disciplines going in this, almost like making a movie in a way, because you're going to have art, story, the actual printing process, all of those type of things. What kind of issues did you guys run into? And anybody take this that wants to answer it? And, and what did you do to get around them? I, I think a huge thing was dialogue. Um, you know, when, when you're writing into something, you're kind of putting your heart out into it. So you kind of get a little bit caught up in, you know, putting your own sense into the character. Um, with this one, I know it resembled a lot of um, the background and just kind of the personas of, uh, you know, all of us. But it, it was kind of hard to restrain yourself from like putting your own um, character into uh, into the dialogue because each character that you make separately, you know, you're going to have to have them have their own certain background, origins, um, character arc, right? So 
Uh, that's something that you kind of have to stay a little bit disciplinary on. Yeah, to add on yeah. top of that too. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah on top ahead. of that, um, yeah, you know, just like all the different storylines that we're kind of looking to make too, intertwining all those, uh, keeping everything you know in check. It is. Uh, it's definitely a lot, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun too at the same time. You know, just kind of expanding this universe and hoping for so much more. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Go, go right ahead. Well, the question I was going to ask is you're self-publishing, which means that you're having to deal with all the logistics, you know, copyright. from the end to end. It's not a pub copyright and all that kind of stuff, I would imagine, too. And actually, Gretchen, go ahead and go with that question. Um, what, have you, what have you done to do the copyright? Because you've got to protect yourselves. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, as you guys are saying, copyrights, logistics, all that. Uh, so the, the book inherently has its own copyright. So as we publish it on our website, uh, we sell it in stores, you know, we, we make ourselves known. Uh, it, it comes with copyright. However, we still have to trademark all the names and the, the comic series titles and, and whatnot. Uh, that is coming real soon. So we, we're just getting the paperwork together. And as you've described too, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. So it's it's not just plotting the stories and connecting everything and creating everything from scratch, this cohesive universe, but we also have to tackle logistics, right? Print the books, get them shipped out, package them, uh, get them in stores, uh, talk to the store owners, uh, attend comic book conventions, you know, bring all the merchandise, all the, all the, the t-shirts and the posters, uh, you know, keep it in, in stock, sell it to people who order it online. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, Even, uh, running the website. Uh, running social media so you know we're we're <laughs> we're, we're definitely a one-man army tackling yeah. everything across the board you know we're uh, sounds, typically yeah oh yes yeah, continue it it sounds like you're building your own marvel or dc it are you going for that <laughs> uh yeah essentially yeah, yeah it, it uh, we're you know we're going for it uh we're, we're our own take on you know what the the greats have done before, you know, Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse. Um, yeah, we, we're standing up our own self-publishing company, making our own original superhero comics. That's terrific. So to our, to our listeners out there, this sounds like an absolutely incredible holiday present, something very unique. Give us your website and your social media. How do we find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, just let you know, the, uh, the Walmart number one. So it's available at ouncecomics.com. So that's O-U-N-C-E-C-O-M-I-C-S dot com. And then we have digital comics available for uh, only, it's 99 cents. They're super cheap. Um, so go check out the best superhero comic that's out right now. We're really excited for you guys to read it. I'll tell you what, and I am looking forward to it too. And we'll have that website on our social media. So check it out from there. Guys, the best of luck to you with this. And thank you for joining us here on the show. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you answers. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Userfriendlyshow.com is where you can submit your questions. And this week we're going to talk about one little bit bigger topic, and that has to do with waterproof and water resistant electronics. And we've gotten a lot of questions in about this. 
And it is definitely a topic that I know I relate well to because I just recently got a GoPro Hero 11 camera, which I use for some of the video stuff I do. And one of the first things they wanted me to do was do something underwater. And I was an expensive camera. And it's like, you want me to do <laughs> what? <laughs> so that's when it became necessary to start learning about this a little bit. And it's definitely something you want to look at when you're buying your stuff based on what you want to do with it. Now, the first thing is it's important to know that there is a big difference between waterproof and water resistant. Right. Uh-huh. And then there's levels of waterproof. <laughs> yep. So there is a standard for this. It's called an IP or ingress protection rating, which is what that stands for, IP rating. And what that number does is it tells you, it's a series of numbers and letters, and tells you what to expect from your item. Now, the first digit of the number is the protection from solids, and the second is protection from liquids. So if you were to have one, this is a standard rating that I see on stuff IPX6. It means that it has not been tested, the X, for dust or solids, but has a water-resistant rating of 5. So that's how you can figure that out. So X means it's not tested, uh, 0, and then the scale on that for solids goes 0 through 6. Liquids is 0 through 8. 0 means there's no protection. And then it goes on up. And there's a chart actually that goes on this. A number six on the solid protection is 100% dust proof. A number eight on waterproof is actually it protects against immersion more than one meter for a duration defined by the manufacturer. So there's two sides of that you have to think about too is how deep it's going to go mm-hmm. and yeah. how long it's going to go underwater. Because as far as all of this goes, even waterproof, if you will, still has its limits. So with your GoPro, D- did yours come with a little uh, pl- uh, like waterproof plastic case, or is or is it that you can actually just stick the camera in the water? Oh, uh, you cannot just stick the camera in the water. It uh, did not come with a plastic case. I had to buy oh. that separately. Oh, see, mine plas- came with a case. Oh yeah, mine did not come. With- mine came with a case, but not a water resistant case. Yeah, oh. and uh, and my case has a rating of let's see, what was it, five six. Mm-hmm. which would mean that it keeps out most dust and dirt. Mm-hmm. And on the liquid side, it protects against water projected from a 12.5 millimeter nozzle at high pressure. So if you hit it with the pressure washer, it would still be okay. Well, nice. I was able to stick mine under the water in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, and that's the question that I would have, because I think some of the other cases are a little bit better. So you kind of have okay. to buy different things on this. For my purpose, this actually worked. Uh-huh. They have another one that's a seven that's immersion in up to one meter of water for 30 minutes, which is probably what you have. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from that kind of a standpoint, I'm still not sure I completely recovered from the idea of sticking that camera in the water, but it worked. and It was fine. Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> it was scary. Yeah, have no question about it. You know, your big expensive thing. And, uh, <laughs> and we all know that electronics do not get along with water. But the biggest thing about this is to figure out what you're going to do with your item because one of the things I ran into is one of my very first Bluetooth headsets would have had a rating like this of zero, zero. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so the question is, it's, am I going to go swimming with my headset on? No, but once in a while I do sweat that actually damaged it oh, and because that is a liquid getting into the device. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's <laughs> detailing and dealing with and knowing what, you're going to get. And then the other thing is also to look at the manufacturer's description on these things because they can put variants on that. You know, it's this rating, but the time underwater is limited to this or the use case is that, you know, that type of a thing. And the other thing to look for too is if something is sold as water and dust resistant, 
does the warranty cover it if it gets wet? So in other words, if you use it in the water, maybe the way it's marketed, but it gets damaged from that, are they going to void the warranty on you? Because I've run into that a few times. Oh, wow. Hmm. So, you know, is it guaranteed to meet this rating? And if so, what do you do about it if you have a problem? But that's how you know. And it is definitely something, again, to check out. And everything has its own idea of what's going on here. Most more reputable headsets and that type of thing do have water resistance. And I've noticed like my smart glasses seem to be fine with it too. I've been out in the rain. Now I would not submerge them. Um, That just isn't going to happen. But as far as being able to use it in a normal environment, that is something that you need to figure out and something that you want to know. So anyway, like I said, that's our question for the week. Keep them coming in. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Userfriendlyshow.com is the place to go. We love to get your questions. It's how we program our show. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Believe it or not, we are having our countdown to Christmas shopping. Oh. I mean, it's already November. It's kind of incredible to think about it. This is Thanksgiving week coming up. So, you know, I mean, (laughs) the year has really gone by. It is. And looking at the idea of gift giving, a big trend this year. For, For one thing this year, it's the first time in a while that video games are not a big deal. So they're actually looking at other things on the market now to give us games. There's no new consoles out. It's difficult to get the ones there are. And there's really no new games out, not many. Mm. Um, So because that's usually a big key thing, especially with the kids. Right. Not so much this year. So we've been talking about other things. And one of them is smart home technology. And this is something that is really starting to come into its own now. And, you know, for a long time, it's nothing new to be able to turn your lights on and off remotely, stuff like that, adjust the thermostat and, and so on. But these systems are getting more complex. They can do a lot more, and there's a lot more to them, which is why a lot of people are asking these questions. And the one big one that everybody seems to ask about first is integration. And this is one that is important to think about, because if you're going to do a smart home, you're going to invest a lot of money probably into the components. Each switch can be $30, $40 or a lot more, depending on what you're getting. And you want all this stuff to talk to each other without having to do some weird things to make that happen. And I know from my own standpoint, my first smart home system, I think, is about 12 years ago. And I'm starting to have some of the equipment age out and have some of those problems where the old stuff doesn't talk to the new stuff. And I had some real weird components, too, that I'm starting to have to retire (laughs) just because of compatibility issues, you know, that uh, don't quite do what one would expect. So. You have to decide how you want the system to work. Now, personally, I use SmartThings. This used to be a physical hub that Samsung made. They've gotten out of the business of doing the hardware. They just do the software. So you're looking for compatibility with that. If you want to go from that direction, it's open source. So if you really want to, you can write your own drivers and things. And most stuff will talk to that. The other thing is, is if you want voice control, Alexa or Google or whatever the case may be, you want to be in a situation where you know that all the components will work with whether, whether yeah, whatever voice system you have, not that I yeah. have one, evidently, <laughs> um, <laughs> to be able to function with that. So looking at compatibility is an important thing from that standpoint. Will one thing talk to the other? The second thing this year that's coming a lot more into this is artificial intelligence. Now, we just talked about voice assistance. That's a big part of it. 
But we're seeing this with other things, like my new mattress has the ability to basically give me a sleep log every night, and that's using an artificial intelligence function. So if you want something like that, you need Mm -hmm. to see what level of it is, how much money you want to spend, and is it compatible with whatever it is that you want to do. Hmm. One of the other things that's, this is a change from COVID, is the idea of touchless tech. So that way you have stuff that you don't actually have to physically touch in order to make it work. And we're seeing this a little bit more in some cases than others. A, a smart device might be like a touchless hand dispenser. Right. Uh, we're starting to see some video doorbells that you don't actually have to push a button to get them to work, stuff like that. So that's something we're seeing on the market. But the other area that I'm really seeing kind of coming into its home is health tech and things for like at home exercise programs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and it's interesting because the whole idea of at home exercise, they actually had a bicycle that worked off of the Atari 5200 back in the early 80s. Oh, that's it cool. would track certain things. It was a prototype. I'm not sure that they ever actually sold it, but it was out there and it was demonstrated. So the idea of this is not actually anything new, but it is something that's really coming into its own. and. This includes things like I just said, a bicycle or something of that nature down to your smartwatch or your Fitbit, you know, like we all use and that type of a thing. There's apps that go on your phone that can track your weightlifting and different things like that. So there's a lot of technology in this area that you can use in your house and really get just the same kind of feedback that you would from a personal trainer at a gym. Huh. No, you is know, that like the Peloton stuff or Peloton's what? one of them. They're an exercise bike, of course, that's very popular. I've used them. They're really kind of cool. And you actually can lease those now if, if you don't want to <laughs> buy one because they are kind of expensive. Yeah. But it also is other things like smart air purifiers, smart air conditioners that can sense the level of, say, allergens in your room and screen mm. them out automatically up to the things that can sense the virus for COVID-19 and let you know that it's in the air. These things all exist to humidity and on and on. It can actually make your environment a lot easier to to work in, you know, hmm. which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, we got and, one of the air purifier things. But it's not a smart one, though. No, as far as I know, it's not. It, it, but it will turn on. It, it'll ramp up if it senses that there's dust and toxins in the air. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like a dumb air purifier. If it's able no, to it's that, not. You know? it's a- <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one of the other areas, too, that I think is kind of interesting is home office, because with COVID, a lot of us are working remotely. And even though in some cases, some of us are going back to the office, there's still a lot of hybrid models. And this is a big thing. And one of the things dealing with this is noise canceling tech. So if you have kids, they don't hear them on a conference call. Those seem to work quite well. Uh, the neighbor mowing their lawn. That's something we probably need to invest in. And or even the kitty cat. Like kitty cats. <laughs> yeah, all of that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, <laughs> one of the other ones is kind of fun is they're starting to have AI filters for video calls. So if your room is an absolute mess, like the one I am in right now, we're remodeling the office. And if I was to be on a video call with this, you would see a bunch of boxes and stuff behind me. And they actually have an AI filter that can sense that and block it out but actually do it in a way where it doesn't look like the fake background. Oh, that'd be it, nice. It looks like the way it's supposed to, you know? <laughs> Interesting. Now, hmm. one detail on this, and this is something that I've learned about too, is if you start really getting into smart homes 
and I have 54 devices and there are people that have told me for a 1400 square foot home, that's a lot. I don't know it is. people, but it seems like it is your internet capability because all of these things need to be online to work. Yeah. Some of them use their own hubs, but more and more of these things are going into a standard Wi-Fi connection. And if you have an older router that's only capable of 20 or 30 devices, you're going to have all kinds of problems. So you might want to look at something like a mesh network or something of that nature and make sure that your internet connection into the network is also appropriate. I just upgraded mine to a Wi-Fi 6, and I went from 300 megabit to 1.2 gigabit on my Wi-Fi. Wow. And boy, wow. has that made a difference. I, I, just, I mean, I knew it would, but I was kind of shocked. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. And can't believe the holidays are already upon us, but a lot of good information. Try to figure out what everybody wants and what special gift to think about getting. Can't get on that fast enough. So as we wrap up the show for this week, let's talk about the crown. I understand it's back and yeah. I will tell us a little bit. First of all, for anybody that hasn't seen it, what is it? And what do we mean by it's back? Okay. The the crown is basically a um TV series, a mini series, or whatever, however you want to call it, and they've um, they're focused around the life of Queen Elizabeth II. And so, when I started watching this, I, I, it feels weird now because she's gone. So yeah. I was when we started watching this program. It, it started when she um, was a child. And it's just gone through all the stages of her life. And it's done very well. It's written well. It seems like it's researched really well. The actors are good. Mm-hmm. It's a very classy, informative um, um, show, if you want to call it that, or series. Right. It's on so Netflix. It's, it's on Netflix. Now, you said it's a mini series. So, what did they do like one season and pause for a while or? Yes, basically they well it's a it's a British series. So they do right. like six episodes that are a couple hours long and then that's the season. Yeah. Okay. So they've done four seasons and uh every two years in the series they change the queen. Yeah. So they they age up the actor. Okay, okay. So like the first season the younger lady and then it was a a, a not quite so young lady. Now it's um Melda Staunton? She's the lady who She's- played the um, the really horrible witch in the Harry Potter, the one with the pink pink outfit. Umbridge. And all that. Okay, yeah, Umbridge. I know who that. Oh I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and I keep looking at her, going, "That's supposed to be Elizabeth. Don't think Umbridge. You know, think Elizabeth, <laughs> <Yeah>. not Umbridge. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard. She did a really good w- job with that horrible character, and so it's like, ah, you know." So they've, you know, brought us these really nice, um, the sets are amazing. The costumes are amazing. Uh-huh. The actors have been fabulous. And, you know, it's the Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip and, and they're, you know. The extended family. All, all of the family members and, you know, the weddings oh, and, and. There's some intense things that they show. There was a, there was a, a, a part about that there was missing children of her family that they didn't know about that had um handicaps that had been hidden away 
Another uh, portion showed the difficulties that Elizabeth had concerning this horrible accident with a mining. It was a mine. Mi- yeah, mining accident. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it sounds like it's really worth watching. And, you know, I'm going to have to check this out. All right. So Netflix, The Crown, Four Seasons, they're bringing it back. And here we are. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.